Listen, if you needed faith, you came to the right place today. If you were discouraged, you came to the right place today because I believe that God's presence is here and that he wants to encourage you. He wants to inspire you to believe for more. I I really believe that. Why? Because we are the unstoppable church. Come on. If you've been here for the last several weeks, we've been in a series called Unstoppable where we're talking about the one thing that Jesus said that he would build. He said, I'll build my church and not even the gates of hell will be able to stop it. Nothing is going to stop the church. The same church that started 2,000 years ago, you and I are a part of it right now today. It is unstoppable. And it doesn't matter what happens in our world. And it doesn't matter how bad life gets. There's, There's a joy in know that I get to be a part of the unstoppable force. And God wants to use you. I need you to hear that. If you missed the first week, you need to know that you didn't go to church. You are the church. This building is not an unstoppable force. We are the unstoppable force. And so today when you get filled up by the presence of God and inspired, you're going to take it with you when you leave for the rest of this week. And the world is going to see. The world's going to see who Jesus is through us. I believe that. I'm so excited about the message today. And I'm not preaching it. Now don't get too excited, all right? That's... Um, I I do think it's by God's providence that he knew back when months ago that I planned to bring a a guest, a friend of mine, to come preach today. I think God in his providence knew I would be dealing with some sickness. Maybe you can tell when you hear my voice. I think God knew that in advance. And so he just prepared. And uh, I have a special guy, a special guest, and a special friend that is here all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. Flew all the way up to Columbus, Ohio, the greatest state with the best college football team. That's all you got to say, Pastor Joel. All you have to do is say that and everybody will love you. You don't say anything about Georgia Bulldogs. Don't say anything about Atlanta Falcons. You just just talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes and everybody will love you. Don't matter what you preach. Doesn't matter what you say. They'll love you. All right? Just so you know. And uh, But uh, Pastor Joel Leggett is... um, He's a friend of mine that I, I've really gotten introduced not too long ago, but I just have fallen in love with this guy. He's an amazing man of God. He's been a friend of Pastor Russ's for several years, five, six years, served in youth ministry for years and years. How many years you served in youth ministry? How many, eight years in youth ministry, um, is, is a church planter. God called him to start a church. There's a special blessing, I believe, on church planters. And I thought, who better to come and speak to us about the church that got planted and started in the book of Acts than somebody who is living that right now in his life. So would you all do me a favor, and would you welcome to the platform our good friend, would you give him, come on, give him an Ohio State, pretend you're at the Buckeye game, come on, a Columbus X church, welcome Pastor Joel Leggett. Come on, yes sir. Come on, I love it. Man, I love it. Man, I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Pastor Russ and I were talking um, earlier, a couple days ago, when I came into town. I said, you know, normally uh, the first uh, worship experience is to save folks. Come on, somebody. Um, And that's like, you know, like that's where they get hype. 
But I realized that 1115 has got it going on. Come on, come, come on. <laughs> come on, somebody. Man, what a blessing, what a privilege, and what an honor it is to, to, to be with you today. And uh, I got a funny story. Um, when I came into town and I was on my Instagram, I was uh, adding uh, Columbus, Ohio, and a couple of places that Pastor Tim and Pastors have taken me. And a lot of people kept responding back to my, they said, back to my Instagram post, and they were saying, welcome to C-Bus. I said, what is, what is that? <laughs> I said, what is C-Bus? And Pastor Tim goes, oh, that's Columbus. I was like, oh, shout out. Come on, somebody. O-H-I-O. And, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am so excited um, to be with you today, and um, I remember when I was a very, well, you guys are probably like, well, how old is this guy anyway when I say years ago? Um, I am 35, if you are, if you are wondering, and um, I remember several years ago when I was preaching at my grandfather's church doing my trial sermon. Come on, somebody. I grew up, I, I grew up missionary Baptist, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> and you do a, and you do a uh, trial sermon when you're a missionary Baptist, and the deacons approve you, and I guess, but I wonder, like, if you don't preach good at a trial sermon, they tell you you can't be a pastor. Like, I don't really know how that whole thing goes. But anyway, they said I was okay, so they allowed me to continue on the ministry. And I remember when I got up there preaching at my grandfather's church, and now my uncle now um, pastors that house, and I said nothing about the pastor. I just got up there to start preaching. And my dad said, well, son, let me tell you how ministry works. Whenever you, st- whenever you, whenever you step onto a platform or the pulpit, uh, whenever you go to preach, you always honor the man and woman of God of the house. He said, no matter where God sends you, no matter where he takes you, you always honor the man and the woman of God of the house. And Pastor Tim, sir, I honor you. I love you. And, and thank you. Thank you for your investment. Yeah. Come on. Can we make some noise for Pastor Tim? Now, come on, man. I want you to know you guys are a part of something special. This is no small thing, ex-church family. This is, you, you, you are witnessing a modern-day miracle. This is no small thing. And it takes a lot of guts. It takes a lot of faith to do what you guys are doing. So, Pastor Tim, I honor you. I love you, sir. And, and, um, and, and thank you for investing in me when I have nothing to give you back. Thank you. That's special. Because a lot of times we don't gain relationship with people, especially at this level, until we are on that level. And thank you. Thank you for investing in me. Thank you for loving me. And I can't offer you a thing, sir. Thank you. I thank you. So let's make some noise for Pastor Tim. Come on, somebody. And I am, I'm your, I'm, I am your black cousin from Georgia for the next 36 minutes and 55 seconds. Come on, somebody. That's right. I, I, pastor, I pastor a church called Core Church, and it's C-O-R, no E. Come on, somebody. It's Latin in heart. Uh, it means Latin in heart. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. And I want to introduce you to my beautiful family. Uh, my wife and I have been, we, I know, right? I cry about it every time they come on the stage. I can't, I don't know why I do that. I don't know if it's because I've been away from them for a few days and it just gets really weird. I'm sorry. I promise you I'm emotionally healthy, but I do cry. Come on. Um, <laughs> My wife and I, we have been together uh, since we were 13 and 15 years old. Uh, yeah, she's been dealing with me for a long time. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, that is uh, our oldest son, Carson. Uh, he thinks that he is all that and some. And uh, you guys are probably wondering, who is the vanilla drop? That is my son, Hendrix Leggett. Uh, come on, somebody. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, um, he'll be four in December, and uh, yeah, we, had, we adopted him uh, from, since birth. Um, and uh, and uh, Pastor Zach was chatting with me uh, at his house yesterday. He said, he said, what's some things that you enjoy about being a father? 
And I said, I got to tell you what I said. Being a father, I said, I, I enjoy, though it's not always fun, what children teach me. And I said, and I said, I want to say, and I said, what my oldest son has taught me is he showed me, he, that he has shown me the power of grace. That even on my worst day, that he's always available to love his father no matter what I'm going through every single day. And, and I realized that my, my lowest time of my day for him is always a highlight. So he, he's taught me just unbelievable grace. And, and Hendrix, he has taught me unconditional love. He's taught me unconditional love because obviously I look nothing like him. <laughs> and for him to, to acknowledge me, for him to love me, for him to be so devoted to me as his father, and for us to have not had him biologically, he has shown me an unconditional love that I need. And I believe, and I believe, and I believe that our world needs to continue to see pictures like this. I believe, I believe that. I believe that. And, and, because, of, and because of his story, I believe that he has got an anointing and a calling on his life where he is going to be able to shake the earth because of his story, because of his story. So, man, I'm, that's my family. Come on, somebody. Yeah, I'm excited. You may take your seats this morning, family. I use that word a lot because we are family. <laughs> if you'll go with me to Acts 4 and 32, Acts chapter 4 and 32, I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation, and we are on week number five. Somebody said number five. Week number five of a series that we're calling Unstoppable, a study from Acts. We're, read, we're reading from 32 through 37. If you don't have a Bible, that is completely okay. We've got two really big ones to the left and to the right of me. It says this church, it says that all the believers were united in heart and mind. For all of my note takers and all of my highlighters, come on somebody, you can mark that today. That's going to be super important. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them. So good. Because the one, because those who own land or houses would sell them and bring money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. Last verse, family, it says he sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. I want to speak to you from the subject there's power in what you possess. In the Missionary Baptist Church, you look at your neighbor and say, there's power in what you possess. Can I pray for us? God and Father, we thank you right now for who you are. There is no moment more tender and special than this one right now. You've appointed us together to be in this time. And in this building, and in this space, for this word. So God, will you speak to me 
your imperfect vessel to bring forth your perfect word. So Holy Spirit, I surrender all things to you. I surrender my anxiety to you. I surrender my nervousness to you. I surrender my pride and my arrogance to you. Holy Spirit, do only what you can do in this place today. So God, we thank you for your word that is sharper than a double-edged sword and there's nothing that can come against your word. So God, we thank you. Open up our hearts and our minds today in Jesus' name. And our ex-church family said, amen, 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 amen. There's power in what you possess. Friends, if I can open up my heart to you and rewind the time. I remember back in 2015 when God laid it on my heart to plant a church. To be honest with you, I had no idea what that meant. I, I had no idea how that would happen. I had no idea where I would be. I had no idea where. I had no idea with who. I just know that God gave me a promise, and he laid it on my heart. And I just knew that this promise that he laid on my heart, that it was from God and that it was bigger than me. And to be honest with you, family, I didn't know what to do with it. And if I could be real with you at the time, I was a pretty arrogant youth pastor. I was totally in the leadership and systems, but I struggled with valuing people. I love preaching, and I love the platform, and I love the claps, and I love the amens, and I, and I love the cheering, but I struggled as a husband. I loved the ministry highlights, but I didn't want to be ministered to. I was arrogant, but I, I carried a promise and I carried a possession, if I can be honest with you, with a bad heart. And I wanted God to, I wanted him to deliver on what he showed me, when he showed me, even though, family, my heart was not ready to keep or receive what God showed me. So out of a place of frustration and out of a place of anger, I blamed everybody else that was around me because my level of advancement was on Paul's. I begin to ask myself an eternal, an, an eternal question. Well, why them and not me? I want to plant a church right now. Well, why do they get to first? I've got vision from God. Well, well, why is it not necessarily happening for me right now? Why am I waiting? And friends, it took me years to understand that everything that God placed in my hand, that my possessions and my talents and my anointing and my gifting, that it was greater than me, and it was not only just for me, but it was also for his church. I didn't lack theology. I, I understood in my mind what it meant, but my heart family would not submit to it. And if I can preach to you for a moment, ex-church family, I believe that this is one of the biggest areas that we struggle with as a church today. It's because so many of us carry an unstoppable power, but we won't release the unstoppable power. Many of us are anointed to do something that God is calling us to. He's pushing us to the next level, but we're holding on to it this morning. Your possession, it, it, has, it has power. And we all possess something right now that has the, the power to to change the trajectory of our lives and the church if we let it go. Because some of us right now, we, we possess a talent that we're holding tight to. 
You've been watching the worship team sing over and over and over again, and you have a gift, but you won't let it go. Some of us possess a a material item that we're holding tight to that we're afraid to let it go. Some of us possess a financial treasure that we're holding tight to, but we won't let it go. And as I was researching seeds and farmers and and realizing and letting things go this morning, I received, and I also realized that that I was studying for this, I realized that even some seeds have expiration dates when they aren't sown into the earth. <laughs> hmm. So whatever it is that you possess, I want you to, re- to remember this morning that it holds power. It, it holds value. It, it holds power. And when it's purpose and when it was designed to be let go, God did not give it to you for it to die in your hands, family. I want us to think about that for a moment. And the truth is that for many of us, we believe that what we possess does not have any power. So we're insecure about it and we won't ever let it go. We, we think that because just because we have a little seed, that the church can't do much with that. We believe that because we just have just a little treasure, because we just have just a little possession, that the church can't do much with that. And what I want us to understand today, that our lack of frustration, family, does not come from not possessing enough. A lot of our frustration simply comes from not knowing what God is going to do with what you own. (laughs) Because when we trust him and when we let the possessions go for his church, we now, family, have to surrender to what that looks like so we hold tight to it. Because holding on to something is predictable. Holding on to something, it's it's safe. Holding on to something gives us some type of illusion that we can control things. And holding on to something, it can be fun. But holding on to things that are predictable takes no faith at all. So if I can now dictate the outcome and hold on to what I possess, family, then my question today for you is then why let it go at all? Because sometimes we think that that not going anywhere is more comfortable than God using you outside of where you want to go. And the problem with, with not letting go when God asks you to is that sometimes somebody else's calling, somebody else's anointing, somebody else's destiny could be attached to yours, family. So while we're, so while we're stalling on letting go, God is speaking to somebody else who's ready to move. And the tension, the tension with releasing what we have is that our heart is attached to what we're possessed. And whenever God calls us to let something go or whenever he calls us to share something, it requires us to now take inventory of what we own. It makes us check our heart. Here's a sticky statement for you. And when we take inventory of our heart, it exposes our sin of selfishness. And if I can't trust God and his church with my possessions, well, who can I trust with it? If I can't trust God with my possessions and my material items and my treasure, well, well, who can I trust with it? Because somebody's going to get it, family. Because if God and his church won't get my treasure or my possessions or my material things, well, Nike will get it. (laughs) Target will get it. Starbucks will get it. Come on, somebody. Somebody is going to get my treasure. 
Because we give or we sow based off of what we trust or who we trust in, whether we want to admit it or not. Our treasures would be, to be shared or given based off of what we trust or who we trust in. And, and the problem with that is we think that we can do more on our own with what we possess instead of believing that we are stronger together. <laughs> and this is what I love so much about this text that we read earlier is that it says that all believers were united in heart and mind. So in this very moment, family, this tells me that the church had one mission. This tells me that the church was moving in one direction. This tells me that they weren't separated by drama. They weren't separated by issues. They weren't separated by hangups. The Bible says in Acts 4.32 that all family, all the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt, this is good, that what they owned was not their own. So, a result of that feeling, they shared everything they had. And I'm beginning to realize that God, he moves mountains. He, he shakes, the earth, shakes the earth. And when his church is unstoppable and when we trust him with our heart and our treasure like it never belonged to us is when the power comes. Because this, this unity was it's a wonderful evidence of God's working power in their lives because of their unity. And because of their unity, they regarded people more than they did things. My goodness. Because <laughs> this, this takes faith for us to go and count what we possess and to look over it and see what it's worth and realize that we work hard for it and see how much it's now worth and say, because I love Jesus and his church, I'll put God's church and his people over what I own. <laughs> One translation says that all the believers had one thing in common. It was, in Acts 4.32, it was just more convincing for the church to be unstoppable and to share in that moment because they understood that they could give freely because it was never theirs in the first place. And when you understand who gives you what you own, then you can freely worship God with what you own. Come on, somebody. Because, because, Whenever we're, whenever we're selfish with what we possess, we find ourselves bound. We, we find ourselves stuck by what we own. And, and there is nothing worse, family, than being bound by what we own. Because when we're bound by what we own, when we're bound by earthly possession, we get so wrapped up with trying our best to keep it. And if we'll be honest, we're we're most self-righteous and we're most selfish when we think that what we have, family, is because of us. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll run people over to keep what we have. Run somebody over in Target to get a Black Friday special. We'll, we'll cheat. We'll gossip. We'll do what we need to do to try our best to keep what we own. My grandfather used to say, if you're no good without, the son, out, without it, son, then you're no good with it. <laughs> in other words... If God is going to continue to move powerfully in your life, then you can worship him with it or you can worship it without yourself. But, but regardless of our, our circumstance, he always deserves the praise because, because we have what we have because of him. And as the church, 
when we submit to God's authority, we can be unstoppable. The Bible says the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's, this is good, great blessing was upon them all, not some of them. Not half of them, not a third of the church, but God's great blessing was upon them all. So could it be that they testified about the resurrection of Jesus Christ as a result of their hearts being united? (laughs) The Bible says that, that God's blessing was upon them all. So one could only imagine just how powerful their testimony was. Because, family, because of the position of their heart. They kept, they kept God first. They kept God first. They, 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 kept, they kept God first. They, they kept people second. And they kept their material things last. 434 says that there were no needy people among them. Because those who own land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give those in what family? In need. Ooh, come on. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. 37 said he sold the field he owned and brought money to the apostles. Now, let's just pour some human emotion in this for a second, if I will. I just purchased a, a house a year ago. I understand the appreciation value of it. I understand the depreciation value of it. I understand how much more it's worth now than it was last year. So for me to go and look at the deed for my house, for me to step back and look at how much my house is worth and then go and sell it for God and his church, that would be kind of difficult for me, family. Can we just be honest for a moment? That would be, that would be kind of tough. Not because I don't believe that it would help God and his church. Not because I don't believe that it would help those in need. Not because I don't think that it would bless the church. I am well aware that it would help the church. But my problem will be, now that I don't have it, I gave it away. Now, God, how are you going to now resupply what I just gave? (laughs) Because the tension inside of me says that, well, well, God, I believed you for that house. I believed you for that land. I, I believed you for those finances. I believed you for that treasure. And now that your promises have come true in my life, you want me to give away what you just gave me. Hmm. So friends, like, am I the only one who's, who's giving this passage, giving this scripture such critical thought? Because it sounds like a lot to me, if we can be honest. And as I, and as I thought about this, And I went back and forth with the tension of this text when it says that they felt what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything that they had. I kind of struggled with this a little bit. And as I was going back and forth about the tension in this text and I was asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to me what is this about, I realized, family, that sometimes the promises that he places in our hearts and the treasure that he he buries in our backyard is not 
for our long-term gain, success, and popularity. It was meant to bring miracles to his church and to give him the ultimate glory. Amen? Because, because as, a, as I look over this last year, family, I, I realized that there were churches that were about to shut down, but because God and his unstoppable church. I was witnessing pastors on the edge of suicide wanting to quit because they invested everything they had. They sold it all for the for the church. But because of God and his unstoppable church, come on, somebody, I, 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 saw, I saw missionaries having to come back home because their plans were wrecked. It was doomed. It was over for them. They came back home with nothing but God and his unstoppable church. I, I, I saw families in need, people losing their jobs all across the world, but they were fed. They were taken care of because God and his unstoppable church. Come on, somebody. It's because of God and his unstoppable church. The Bible says that nobody, nobody was, was in need because of the church. They were united. They were together, and, and nobody was, was forced. Hear me. We are unstoppable when we place what God has given us back into his hands. Because there's power in what you possess, family, because God has power. <laughs> That's good. Because what you possess, it, it isn't a small thing. What you possess, it, it isn't weak to God. The problem that, that we all have is that it just looks weak to us. I was talking to my dad about this sermon, and he says, son, I, I want you to understand something. He says, a golf club in my hand is worth $100. He says, but a golf club in Tiger Woods' hands is worth millions. He said, a, he said, a basketball in my hand is worth $35, but a basketball in LeBron James' hands is worth millions. He says, a, he says, a hockey Hockey stick in my hands worth $50, but in Wayne Gretzky's hands, it's worth millions. So what I want to submit to you today is that what you possess might be okay, might be just a little bit all right over here and over there. But when we submit our treasure and our possessions and we place them in God's hands, what you possess, it owns power, family. It might not be, a, might be not worth a lot in your hands alone, but when it's attached to God, it's got power. Because what you possess has power. Your gifts, come on, somebody, they have power. What you possess, it has power. So can we be the church? Can we be united? Can we, can we share what we possess because it, because it has power? I remember... Several years ago, when Pastor Russ asked me to come to preach at his church when, we were, when he lived back home, and I remember sitting in his car after the worship experience, and he asked me to, to share what was on my heart as a young pastor. And I told him, I said, man, I, I, said, I want to plant a church one day. And he said, well, man, 
Have you ever read Robert Morse' book called The Blessed Church? I said, I have not, so I hopped over to Amazon, come on somebody, and I got me a copy. And I remember, I remember grabbing my journal. And I fasted, fasted for 30 days as I read that book. And I wrote down the, I wrote down the church that I saw. I, I envisioned, I envisioned the people that I saw. I saw people crossing over from death to life. I, I saw people being raised to life through baptism. I, I saw single mothers coming to the altar. I, I, saw, I saw people feeling needed and known. I, I saw this church, and I began to write it out. I wrote every detail that I could. But what I, but what I didn't realize, family, is that when God always gives us a promise, there's always a journey attached to it. Didn't realize that 2016 would come and I would still be a youth pastor. I didn't think that when 2017 came that I would, I would still be a youth pastor. I think that when 2018 came that I would, that I would still be a youth pastor. I didn't think when 2019 came that I would still be a youth pastor. What I didn't understand was that if I would have saw what God would have walked me through before he delivered on what he showed me, I probably would have never done it. So I'm, I'm looking through this journal and I'm, I'm going through the details and it's now, it's not 2019, it's 2020 and I'm, I'm asking my wife, is this the time? Because when God showed me in 2015, he did not tell me somebody that COVID-19 would be attached to my testimony. So we're praying, and we were in 21 days of prayer and fasting at the church that I was working at at the time. I told my wife, I said, babe, why don't you pick seven things to pray for over this 21 days? I told our son, he was eight or nine at the time, I said, baby, I want you to pick seven things, and I'm going to pick seven things. It's going to be 21 things that we're going to pray over as a family, 21 days of prayer and fasting. It being in the middle of COVID-19, the church that I envisioned looked impossible. The church that I saw, it, it, it looked impossible. The baptisms that I was dreaming about, they looked impossible. The attendance and people coming through the doors and the, the servant leaders and the worship team and the lights and what we were going to launch, it looked impossible. So for the first three days, we, we prayed over the name of our church. We prayed over where God, was, where God was calling us, where he wanted us to be. And if I can 
be completely honest with you because I don't know how to preach otherwise. When I submitted my application to be a church planner to the ark, I was denied. Because I had a few things that I needed to take care of financially. Because we know that we wanted to be debt-free when we planted our church because it was already difficult enough. And we were we're praying because we, we received an email from the ark and they said, we love your journey, we love your story. We want to plant you and your wife, but you got to take care of some things first. So we were praying for those three days. First day, we were praying for the name. Second day, we were praying for the location. And third day, we were praying for God's provision because we didn't know how we were going to be able to pay. We're sitting in our living room and in the middle of the day when everybody's at work, we were we're asking God to just, would you, would you, would you do something for us? Come on, somebody, because if it's God's will, this is Bill. Ooh, hallelujah. <laughs> and we we saw a lady who we knew at the, the door on our video doorbell. And she was standing there with an envelope. My wife let her in. She came into our living room and she had an envelope that was full of cash. Little did she know that it was the exact amount that we needed. And I, I knew her story at the time, so I knew that she did not have it to give us. And I said, I can't. I broke down in tears. Come on, somebody, because I cried about everything. And, and I said, we can't take it. No, she said, no, you, you have to have it. Later on that day, her husband, he was, he was jogging the neighborhood. He stopped by unannounced as well. And he also had an envelope. He says, and I've been, I've been saving this to record my album. He said, because of my wife's faith, I also want to give you something. But it's because of, because of the sacrifice of the church. This didn't even happen in the building. This happened in my home. The sacrifice of the church. He placed his dreams on Paul's because he believed that God had a calling on the Leggett family. He placed his debts on Paul's because he believed that God had a calling on the Leggett family. He placed his dreams and his promises on Paul's because he believed that God had a calling on the Leggett family. In that moment, he he switched, he, he changed his priority. And he put God and his church and people over his possession. They didn't know. They didn't know that we were fasting and praying. But they were, they were obedient. They were obedient with their sacrifice. And something that seemed 
It seems so impossible. Most church planners could not even get a building at the time. I struggle with, with attracting people and, and growing a launch team. I couldn't find a place to have church, but I had a promise and I had a possession. But we were able to launch core church because of the unstoppable church. Come on, we were able because of the church. So can I just tell you something this morning, ex-church family, that you're here because of the church. You're here because of the church. The next generation is in good hands because of the church. Come on, somebody. People are crossing over from death to life because of the church. People are being raised to life because of the church. You're standing in a miracle because of the church. You're blessing your community because of the church. Marriages are being restored because of the church. People are lifting their hands in worship in an air-conditioned building because of the church. Come on, somebody. It's because of his church. It's because of his church. It's because of the church. Church is the, it's the hope of the world. It's the light on the hill. Church is the, it's the hope of the world. Where are we? we? We are. You are the unstoppable church. So my, my question today, family, is what are you holding on to that God has been urging you to share? What are you what are you holding on to that God has been, has been urging you to share? Because there's somebody that needs your gift. Somebody that, that needs your possession when you sow it into the church. There's somebody that needs your seed. There's, there's somebody that needs your treasure because of the church. It's power is in our hands because God's hands are powerful. It's you, what you possess it, it holds power. Your gift, your anointing, your, your calling, your future, it, it holds power and God is asking you what, are you, what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to today that God is urging you to to share. So can I pray for us today? I didn't, didn't do this in the first worship experience, but while everybody's eyes are closed, if that's, if that's you, if you have been holding on to something that God has been urging you to share, will you just lift your hand where you are so I can pray for you this morning? Praise God. Yes. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Yes. Praise God. Hands lifted all across this place. Praise God. So God, with their hands lifted, with their hearts open and their minds clear, God, give them the steadfastness. Give them the power. Give them the wisdom. Give them the strength to release what they have been holding onto. Maybe they have been holding onto something for so long where it's beginning to die in their hand. But will you give it? We give a new life. Allow them to, to see what you have for them. That your promises are good. That you are good. That what they possess 
holds power. God, that you're bigger than their insecurity. That you're bigger than their darkness. That you're bigger than their depression. That you're bigger than their anxiety, God. That you're bigger than their anger. In the name of Jesus, it's let go right now. It's let go. It's let go. So when you walk out of here today with those hands that are lifted in this place, we stand against the enemy because he's going to tell you that you made a bad decision. But we're going to let it go in spite of, and we're going to trust God. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your miracle working hand. God, we thank you for calling us to be the church. May we be united in 2021. Holy Spirit, will you continue to move in power in the, in the unstoppable church? Lord, we love you. We thank you for, for giving to us freely so we give freely back to you. In Jesus' name. And the ex-church said, come on, somebody, let's make some noise. Yes, come on, Stanley. Amen, 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 amen. Come on. Sorry, I didn't mean to grab you and bring no, you over here. No, I, no, yeah, come on. Okay. I, I, uh, I just so appreciate a man of faith who's willing to step out and be the church and start a church. What a great word. Uh, just a powerful word today. And, um, you know, I, I wondered what was crazier, uh, building a building that would open during COVID or starting a church in the middle of COVID. They're both crazy, but I thought I'm going to give it to him. Okay. Starting a church from nothing in the middle of COVID. I just, and, and, um, and I don't feel like already, like I've, I've become your big brother. Yeah. Um, we look alike and, uh, but, um, you know, I, I was talking to him. Uh, it was what three or four weeks ago. I called you. Yep. And uh, just I don't know. I don't know why I called. Just called you. Just I, said, I call him every once in a while. We just talking. And, and uh, I said, "What's going on, your church?" And he said, "You know, they he, he found this place when they got started. By the way, in January, that is small and it's hot, Ooh. no air conditioning, and it was manageable in January. But he's from Hotlanta." And it ain't, get, it ain't that way anymore. And uh, it is hot. He was like, we out of room. We don't have space. And, and I don't know what to do. And I said, are there anything? Is God opening? Is there any doors that are opening? And he said, well, I was talking to these, these people from a movie theater. And they've got a couple rooms that are available that they would let us use. And he said, this is what he said. But he said, I, I just don't know about it. I said, why? He said, because it costs more than our budget. We don't have the money. And I said back to him, I said, are you going to let money stop you from doing the thing that God has called you to do? I rebuke that. No, I didn't say it that way, but... I told him, I was like, you can't not do this. That's what I said to you. You did. I said, you can't not do this. I said, come on, you got the faith to start it in COVID. You're going to need to trust God and step out in faith. So I said, you can go pray about it, but you just need to do it. 
So he, he prayed about it and, and that day, it's, he told me later, and he said he felt like God said, you just need to step out in faith and do it. That call was what you needed. Sometimes God will bring what you need when you need it. That's what yeah. the church is That's all right. about. That's right. That's right. He's about ready to go sign this when, when all of a sudden another door opened that's even better for a school and they're moving into a school at the end of August. They're launching with their core team with a 500 seat auditorium that I believe that God is going to fill because of this man's faith, amen? And, and so he's trusting God for the deficit. He's trusting God for the money to, and they have a campaign and they're trying to raise the money to do this. And, and the last experience that, you know, uh, I told him, this, if you weren't here at the 930, I said, we want to sow as a church and invest in. So we gave him a check for $2,500. I just need you guys to hear that. It's your giving. It's your investment that we are able to do that. But we ain't done yet. Here's another check for $2,500 more. $5,000 that we want to invest in Court Church and the Leggett family. Come on. Come on, take it, brother. Take it, take it. Come on. Come on. Now listen, stay here, stay here, stay here. You ain't going, no, 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 come back, come back, come back, come back. Come back, you ain't done. Come on. Stay here for just a minute. Because we're going to pray for you in a minute, but, but we're not done yet. Um, because the word that God, I told him, you can preach whatever you want as long as it's from Acts chapter 4. <laughs> Acts chapter 8. You pick it. I don't know. And, and your word, I believe, is spoken to a lot of people in our church about, about being. Can, can I put up, would you guys do me a favor, put up Acts 4, verse 34 and 35. I asked him, can you guys put it up real quick? It says, there were no needy people among them because those who owned land and houses would sell them and bring money to the apostles to give to those in need. That's a picture of the church. That's what's been going on. Can I tell you about something that happened today? This is totally unplanned. This is, this is, this is all God. In between the 9.30 and 11.15, uh, somebody came up and said something to me. Somebody came up and said something to me. Something happened to you this past week on Thursday. Come up here real quick. Would you all put your hands together? He did it. This is all unprovoked. This is unplanned. I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm going to keep my hand on the microphone. Come up here, brother. Come up here. Come up here. What's your name? Tony. Tony. How long you been coming here? Uh, two months. Two months. He's been coming to Exodus for two months. Come here, Tony. Come here. I, I've gotten to run into him a few times, a few weeks where uh, God has just been working in your life, hasn't he? God's been doing a work in his life. I, I can just tell. Two months. Says it's changed his life. Right before this experience, uh, he told me that his car was stolen on Thursday. He didn't have a car. It was stolen. While I'm in this experience, somebody texted me and said, because of Pastor Joel's message, he said that God prompted him and his wife's heart to give away a car to somebody in need in the church. 
I said, do you trust me with this? He said, yeah. And so I want you to know what you just saw, Acts chapter 4, 34 and 35. There's no needy people among them because those who had possessions came and gave it to the apostles to give to those in need. So I want you to turn around and take a look at the car that was just donated to you, sir. You have a new car today. Come on. This is what it's like to be part of the church. Praise God. You can go ahead and have a seat. Come on. Praise God, brother. Come on. Praise God, Tony. Come here. Come here. This, none of this is planned, but wow. when he texted me at the beginning of that message, I was like, this is God. He was like, oh, we want to give a car away to somebody in need. We don't know who. We're just letting you know. I said, somebody just told me they had their car stolen. Can I, can I give it? He's like, yep. That's the way God works. Come on. And so before you go, I just wanted as a church family, I would love for us because I just really believe God is working in everything going on today. I want for us as a church to pray for him and his family and their launch They've already started, but it's, it's a real launch with a location, and now that he has a launch team. You built your launch? I told him that. I said, you know, I know you think you started your church in January. I said, no, you've just been building your launch team. Now it's about to start August 29th in the school. And so would you join with me, and let's pray for Pastor Joel and his family. Just maybe stretch your hand toward him. Father, we are grateful for this man and the calling you have on his life his wife and his family and core church. And God, I thank you for your provision. I thank you, God, that there is no need in your church either because you are a God who provides. And so I pray right now every dime they need to be able to launch and then some. You're a God who can take five loaves and two fish and multiply it so much that there's abundance left over. I pray for an abundance of your provision for his church, God. And we pray in in agreement when Core Church launches in August 29th, that God, you would do exceedingly abundantly more than he could ever ask or think or imagine according to the power at work within your church. So God, we just declare favor over their church. I pray you continue to bring leaders and people around him. And God, we look with great anticipation to what you're gonna do through Pastor Joel and Core Church. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Come on, amen, amen, amen. Love you, brother. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We wanna connect with you and we wanna be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, Why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.